Beauty and Brains presents A Work in Progress, your favorite weekly podcast all about navigating adulthood and adversity with transparency and vulnerability. Here, we highlight progress over perfection. You're listening to my personal professional development diary, where I share the highs and lows and the real and raw parts of the story that no one talks about. I'm your host, Breland Hunt, a work in progress. Oh my gosh! Okay, so you guys, we are here. We are recording the first episode of a work in progress, the podcast. Give it up, give it up, give it up. I mean, if you guys only knew, wow, I can't believe this is happening. Ah, okay, this is so annoying, but this first episode, I want to give you guys a vibe, okay, I want to give you guys kind of a gist of how my future episodes are going to go, but to be honest with you guys, I mean, we got a lot, we have a lot to talk about, so I'm hoping this episode is not going to be too all over the place. Um, I do, like I said, I have kind of a flow of how I want most of my episodes to go, but for this episode, because it's my first one, but it's also themed like it has a specific topic to it but it's not your typical first podcast episode um I guess I just wanted to start off by saying what's up like hi (laughs) um y'all there's just there's so much I have to tell you um I think that first of all let's just talk about the fact that I'm doing a podcast (laughs) I mean, I haven't uploaded a video other than my podcast announcement in like six months. And I th- guess this kind of ties the reason for this episode together. A lot of people think that I took a break from social media, specifically YouTube, because of my MCAT. That's not the case fully. Um, so I think that my next episode, I'm going to be talking about my social media sabbatical and what I learned from it, what I gained from it, and why I actually plot twist really enjoyed it and kind of want to go back (laughs) but I during that time I okay how can I combine these two topics without giving away everything that I want to talk about next week I want the podcast to be very flowy like I just want it to flow you know I don't want to do a lot of like cuts but this first episode just bear with me for the first episode okay because I don't really know what I'm doing and I'll give you guys a little bit of background before I get into the meat and potatoes of this episode I don't know what it is and again we'll talk about this next episode when I talk about just like my journey with creating content but y'all It's taking me a really long time to even just like sit down and actually film this podcast. I have known that I wanted to do it since February. I started planning and prepping doing it in June and I'm just now recording it in July. And if you guys were kind of like paying attention when I first announced it, I actually announced it to premiere on June 25th. Let me just tell you that didn't happen. I mean, clearly, because like I said, it's July. But long story short, the reason why I specifically chose the date June 25th is because I was competing for Miss Maryland. If you guys didn't know, I'm a local title holder in this America organization. And I did like this really cute resume. It's like a pink resume. And on there, I put like all my social media sites. And by this point, like you have to 
turn in your paperwork months and months and months before you actually like go to Miss Maryland. And so oh, months and months, maybe like two and a half months. So by that point, I was still in the middle of MCAT studying. But I knew like once I finished my MCAT, um, and at that time, I thought it was going to be a different date, we'll get there. But I'm like, once I finish my MCAT, I'm going to go ahead and change my social media sites and then, you know, rebrand in this way with the new podcast. So by the time I compete at Miss Maryland, I'll have a new at name. Um, my website will be up, my podcast will be out. So let me just include all of that in my paperwork now. Once it got to about three weeks before the pageant, I realized the podcast isn't out. <laughs> like the website isn't up. The at name hasn't changed. And it's all like changed on my paperwork. Like it's all different on my paperwork. So I was like, okay, I'm not a liar. So I'm just going to get the podcast out before Miss Marilyn. Miss Marilyn was on June 26. But you can imagine that I just have so much going on. And I know that I always do. And most of the time, I just I'm a venter too. Like I can just talk for a long time, which is why I'm hoping that I can do this podcast thing. But um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I watch a lot of podcasts. That's why I wanted to like do this video podcast thing. And again, we'll talk more about it later. But just to kind of let you guys know why there's been a delay if you even noticed but maybe I shouldn't have even mentioned it but just wanted to keep it hey that's what this podcast is about right keeping it real and raw and yeah so I basically tried to rush to get the podcast out before Miss Marilyn um simply because I put it on my paperwork and then I decided actually I'm not going to stress myself out in that way because not only am I working on my medical school application but I've also been working at my job as a medical assistant and a medical scribe and then also doing billing and I'll talk about that in this video as well and um yeah preparing for Miss Marilyn which is a lot more than just like putting on a pretty dress like there was a lot that goes into that as well let me know down below if you guys want like a pageant episode because I did vlog but I don't think I'm going to upload it, but I would love to talk about my experience. So let me know down below or um, you guys can message me on Instagram if you guys are listening to the podcast. Shout out to all the listeners and not just the viewers here on YouTube. Um, Oh my gosh, this is so crazy. I don't even want to like continue to look in the camera. I kind of just want to like stare off while I talk because I feel like sometimes... The thoughts come to me better when I stare off, but I'm sure that's not very fun to look at. So I'll do a combination of both. Anyway, um, you guys who are listening don't care at all. And wow, I'm getting off topic really, really fast. So what I wanted to say basically was that I rushed to try and get the podcast out. And then I was really overwhelmed because in addition to trying to like rebrand and start this whole new project, which is really difficult low-key like I don't remember being that difficult starting YouTube like I didn't have any problems when it came to like editing or uploading like YouTube is very user-friendly especially back in the day but like starting a podcast not so much and I thought it would be and then especially I feel like there's a different level of pressure that I put on myself because like Everything that I do, I feel like it has to be done at a different level. Like this isn't just your average Joe who wants to start a podcast. Like this is somebody who, me, me talking about myself, this is me, somebody who already has a platform, already has a following, already is like known for content creation. And so I need to kind of like 
come at it as if I have a podcast as if I'm already a content creator and not like this is something like a a new thing but it is a new thing like it's new for me but I don't want it to look like it's new type thing so it was like this just weird pressure that I was putting on myself you guys will see um what's the word I'm looking for you guys are gonna see that be a reoccurring theme in all of these podcasts is that I'm super hard on myself and I I give myself like all these stupid rules and expectations that nobody else knows or cares about but anyway I think that's a long enough intro (laughs) oh my gosh y'all like I said give me give me some grace for this first episode. I really just wanted to open it up and start talking. And so the reason why I wanted to do this episode as my first podcast episode was because before I even knew that I was starting the podcast, I was still vlogging. And so you guys have hopefully by this point on YouTube have seen my MCAT week where I showed you guys um, my MCAT diary and that entire experience of me studying for the MCAT, um, my MCAT day the day of me taking my MCAT that vlog as well as like my resources and even my study routine and I don't know why I feel really burpy I don't even burp that much on a regular basis and it's like now that I have a microphone in front of my face I want to burp what is up with that I don't like that that's not cool I thought this would be a really great first podcast episode kind of introducing you guys to the podcast while also kind of closing out the vlogging chapter of my channel because I kind of just left you guys hanging and I didn't think that that was fair. So moving on, (laughs) the next segment of the podcast is going to be the segment for um, the audience question. Um, This is the part where, you know, I give a little bit of advice. During this time, I will answer one of your questions and provide any advice that my life experience will allot to your current situation. So if you would like to share your story with me, you can visit the A Work in Progress page on my website, braylonhunt.com, under the Beauty and Brains tab to submit your story. And I look forward to answering um, one of your questions or your dilemma in the next episode. But for today, I actually thought this would be perfect because on my TikTok, I saw this comment and I said, this is a great comment to use to explain why the MCAT is our first topic of discussion for my podcast. So this is by Social Dilemma with four A's, one. Social Dilemma one reads, love your content, Breelan. I have been a subscriber for so long and have looked up to you as well. So I'm a bit disappointed that you're back on social media sites, but haven't shared how you did on your MCAT. Okay, social dilemma. So I basically use this comment to show that I understand that I literally left off of social media, specifically YouTube. We're just talking YouTube for now. And my last video that I posted was me taking my first practice exam, my first full length MCAT practice exam. And in that video, you could see that I didn't score what I wanted to score. I was heartbroken. I was, I kind of had a bit of a, okay, it's time to get to work attitude. I don't think I was too, you know, sad, but, and then that video went live in January and there hasn't been a video since. (laughs) What happened to Braylon? Um, And so that's basically what this video is about. It's basically talking to you guys about where I've been for the past six months because a good part of it has been because of my MCAT, but that hasn't been the entire reason. 
mentally, I've just been through so much these past couple of months. And I'm going to try to, as quick as possible, kind of walk you guys through my experience, mainly because, and the same thing when I was doing my MCAT diary, which I think if you guys haven't seen that video, watch that one first so you can get a gist of where I am today. But even that, which I felt was like so real and raw, like I don't think I've shown myself crying on camera. I don't, I don't even know if I've ever done that before. Um, but I wanted to include it because y'all, this was hard. I mean, every, this was one of the hardest seasons of my life. And I've been through a lot of things, you know, I don't talk to you guys about everything that I've been through, but you guys will hear more stories as the podcast continues on. And it it kind of upsets me that this was so difficult for me because it's like, it, it didn't have to be like, it didn't have to be that deep. But I mean, this thing brought out so much from within me that I didn't know was buried down and I really don't even know where to start. I've tried to outline this episode and what I wanted to talk about, but I just felt myself kind of like even rambling when I was typing. So I don't even really know where to start. It became very clear before entering MCAT season that God was planning to show me something new about himself or myself, that he wanted to draw me closer to him And he wanted for me to know him on a deeper level. I knew that God desired to manifest his glory in ways yet unseen by me. And that he wanted to become more real to me at a level that I have never had with him before. And this is what I wrote in the beginning. I think I probably wrote this in January when I was kind of like, I feel a shift. I feel like this is about to be something that's very impactful in my life. And I knew this because I was scared. (laughs) Like, I was scared out of my mind. And let's just talk about that because this is a big part of why my experience was the way it was. Let's be real. Point blank period. I was scared. I was scared to take the MCAT. And just to give you a little bit of background, this is why I'm scared. First of all, the MCAT. (laughs) Hi, if you're new here, welcome. My name is Breland. I'm a pre-med student. I'm aspiring to go to medical school. Um, I want to be an OBGYN. I love women's health. The MCAT is the medical college admissions test. And this is one of the main deciding factors on whether or not you get into medical school. It is a standardized test and standardized tests are historically not known to be fair to people of color. So, Let's rewind back to 2017. I'm a junior in college and I decide to, I don't know why I'm so burpy today and it's going to piss me off. But anyway, (laughs) rewinding back 2017, I'm a junior at Spelman College. I'm a biology major. I'm taking probably 24 credits, things such as physics, biochemistry, organic chemistry, and other classes of the like. During the same time, I'm taking a Princeton Review prep class hosted by my school from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. every day, as well as on, well, Monday to Friday, and then um, I think it was 9 to 12 on Saturdays. During this time, the MCAT was just something that I thought that I had to do, 
and I was going to get a score so that I could apply to medical school. But it was right around this time when I realized, oh crap, I'm not actually doing what I am was supposed to be doing in college in order for me to actually like be okay to go to medical school. Like I actually don't have my stuff together and I'm just looking up now and I'm halfway through my college experience. So it's kind of, it's kind of too late, but maybe I can finesse it. So I thought my grades aren't the best, not by far. Like they're actually trash. (laughs) My grades are trash, but I'm super involved in my community and I have a lot of extracurriculars and I shadow and I even know exactly what kind of doctor I want to be and I have some experience in it. I've done research. Maybe if I just get a really good MCAT score, I can apply and go to medical school as planned. So I put not even, I don't even honestly think I put a lot of pressure on myself, but it was definitely like, if I do well in the MCAT, we're applying to medical school. If not, for the first time ever, we have to think of what a plan B is. And long story short, I mean, I would go, I went to every class. I missed a handful, but I I went to basically every Princeton prep class. I would go, I would take notes and I would go home and I would do my homework from other classes or maybe hang out with friends or do whatever, but I was not really studying. It was not a dedicated time. And I also took way too many credits while also trying to study for the MCAT. And I believe that like my finals were on that Friday or maybe like my finals were that week. Let's just say I took my last final like a Thursday. I took my MCAT that Saturday. It was something where it was like just stupid. Okay, dumb. Just absolutely stupid, dumb, worst decision I could have ever made. So I get my score back in the summertime and I'm like, just as I thought, trash. (laughs) It was horrible. And I can't believe I just wasted all that money and that time. But I was kind of just like, okay, I already knew it. It's time to go to plan B. So at this point, I'm thinking to myself, I know that my grades and my MCAT score is not good enough to get to medical school, but let's just pray it's good enough for me to get into a master's program. And I received a lot of no's, which was a big juxtaposition for me in comparison to applying to college. Because in high school, I mean, I was on a roll this and I and I that's the thing that really upsets me about my college experience. And again, throughout the podcast, you'll hear me talk about this more. But I don't understand what the disconnect was in my experience as a high school busybody versus a college busybody. Like I did everything in college. I was a triple varsity athlete. I did dance outside as well. I was on SGA. I did, you know, the musicals. I did everything. And I was still an honor roll student making A's and B's. And I got into the number one HBCU basically with my eyes closed. So I was like, When I got to college, time to do it again, you know, and I did everything underneath the sun. And the thing about college is that I was so excited about everything, like, but the education, like I was excited about strolling and the dance team and everything, dorms, like everything was so inspiring and fun and exciting. And I just thought I'll go to school and I'll do what I always do and I'll do well. And I started off doing okay. But as the classes got harder, I did not do well. And I thought by the time it was my junior year, I'm looking back like crap. I mean, my grades are terrible. They're trash. They're horrible. And 
I don't know what it feels like to apply with horrible stats. I've never had this experience before. So I don't know. Like I got into every single college I applied to. But for my grad school applications, I was like, first of all, and I talked about this in my um one of my graduate school um videos where I talked about getting into post-bac programs is also really competitive, which is annoying because if I had these high stats that they require, then I would apply to medical school. I want to get into a post-bac because I can't, I can't, like my stuff isn't that good. But anyway, long story short, (laughs) because here we go, rambling. We're not going to do this whole podcast. Well, actually, I'm not making any promises. Anyway, um, I was really nervous about getting into a master's program, ended up getting in to um, a few, got it rejected from a lot of them. And that played a big part in my confidence. Going a little bit further, again, if you guys are familiar with me and my story, I almost flunked out of my master's program. And when I was there, I realized, oh, crap, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Like I've been in school for years. And I, I was even a biology major. And I, I don't know this information. Like I, I don't know what I'm doing. And that resulted in not only a lot of like failure, but the failure resulted in just a complete plummet of my confidence. Like I then realized in graduate school that I had really bad test anxiety and I failed my first class ever. And I mean, I ended up being a stronger person out out of it. Like I'm a master of physiology and I say that with so much pride because I feel like that program almost killed me. But you can imagine I also have a little bit of like trauma, you know, some scars on my back. And so here I am now. And this is the last piece of the puzzle. Everything else is basically done. I've been working as a medical assistant at a GYN office for um at this point, I and that's another thing too. So I graduated from a master's program in June and then I had the month of July off. I started working full-time as a medical assistant at a GYN office August 1st. So I had one month off from school and then I started studying for the MCAT September, I believe it was 13th. So I had a little bit over a month just to figure out like how to work and study. And I had one month in between my master's program that literally almost almost drove me crazy and studying for the MCAT. So you can see where we're going here. <laughs> you can see that we're not off to a really good start. And I just, I mean, looking back on it, it's kind of like, duh, Breland. But, you know, when it's when it's happening, it doesn't seem like it's a bad idea at the time. Anyway, so I'm scarred from a master's program and I graduate and I realize that I have test anxiety and I also lack a lot of confidence in my sciences because I feel like I realize I don't quite know how to study. I don't even know if I know how to learn. At this point, I'm like, I don't know how to do anything. Like I'm, I'm getting by and I'm working really, really hard, but sometimes my hard work just doesn't fully pay off especially not in the same magnitude of the work that I've put in. And I'm kind of in this weird spot where it's like, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm getting by. Like even in my undergraduate degree, it's like I wasn't flunking. I wasn't failing, but I was just getting a bite. I was just getting by enough. And that's not good enough for medical school. And so I have this master's degree that's hopefully going to help me out with my undergraduate crappy deg- um, GPA. 
Again, I have this experience in clinical, I've done shadowing, and we all know that extracurriculars has always been check, check, check. We've got that all covered. And so this is the last piece of the puzzle where it's like, on one hand, I can be a very strong applicant because I have this extracurricular, I'm involved in the community, I I have all of these things on this side. But then when it comes to my grades, those are really poor. And so if my MCAT is also poor, it puts me in this position of, is she actually capable of handling the rigor of medical school? Whereas if my grades are bad, but my MCAT is good, then I can talk about how, okay, I'm learning and growing. I'm a first generation college student. I'm, I was, you know, partying too hard in college. I wasn't really partying, but you know, there's a lot of ways that I can spin it and make it as though I, which I am, I'm growing as a student, as a life learner. And But if you have a bad MCAT score, it's kind of really hard to, A, just even get in the door. Like there are so many cutoffs for interviews and schools in general. And it's like, you can hear how I put a lot of pressure on myself to do well on the MCAT. Because for me, it was like this MCAT is going to be the deciding factor on If I have to struggle and fight to get into medical school or if I am a qualified applicant. Um, And so here we go. Right. So um, I originally was going to do self-studying, but Lord knows, like that's already a lot in itself. So one of my Spelman sisters into recommending this program is called Integrative Medical, Integrative Medical, it's called Integrative MCAT Tutoring. And again, I talk about on my YouTube channel, but it started, it started off rocky. Okay. So I started off um, in September. And the thing is that I remember thinking to myself like, oh, I need to send in, you have to like send in an application to get accepted. And I thought if I send it in like a day before, obviously I get accepted, but it took them like two weeks. It took them like the first week, like, let's just say classes were supposed to start. I don't remember if they were going to start. I think they started on the 13th. Maybe they started on the 1st. Wow. I, I can't remember my dates at this time. But let's just say they started on the 13th. I put in my application on like the 11th, which was maybe like a Saturday. And so the 13th, which was a Monday, I didn't hear anything back from them. For a week, I didn't hear anything back. And I'm freaking out like, oh, no, um, classes were supposed to start, but I haven't even gotten accepted into the program yet. I ended up emailing them, didn't hear anything back. Another week goes by, still didn't hear anything back, emailed them again. And then by the end of that week, I ended up getting added in. By this point, I'm two weeks behind. So I get added into the class and I have to kind of like play catch up. And it's a learning curve, learning how to deal like everything's on Google Drive, everything's virtual, um, realizing like the class schedule and trying to like balance. And you kind of miss that. It's like missing the first two weeks of school, like Everybody now already knows how to get to their classes and how to balance that and like what time to catch the bus or like eating your after school snack. You know, it's like I kind of missed that transition period and I had to jump right in while also trying to balance like still being a new worker because I mean, I had only been working as a full time medical assistant. I mean, this is my first time working full time ever. And my job has crazy hours like I work from. I say like 745 to around six would be the average, but 
sometimes I would, I always had to get there early so that I could better prepare for my day. And we always left late, like we always left late. And so I was going to work from, I like to say like seven to seven. And then afterwards I would have MCAT classes from 7 p.m. until um, like 11 p.m. So there'd be like four classes every day. And I explain this more in the vlogs, but just for a recap to tell you guys how I was stupid <laughs> and I was drained and I was tired. I mean, I set myself up for failure. And I think that it was unfair that nobody kind of told me you kind of can't do this program in particular, but you really should not study for the MCAT and also work full time if you can. So this is my piece of advice. I mean, there's going to be a lot of gems, I hope in this podcast episode, but I mean, we're like 37 minutes in and this is the first one that I'm giving you, but like, bro, sis, if you can do not work while studying for the MCAT, like just take the dedicated time. And that was a lesson that I learned the hard way. And so kind of like speeding through, I started in September, I was studying full time and I was working full time. Mind you, I was also doing content creation full time at this time too, like still uploading twice a week um, and posting on Instagram consistently, starting with reels. Like I was really just doing it all and it was fun, but I definitely felt so tired and so overworked and really overwhelmed. And so I don't remember what month it was that I asked to go down to part time. I think it was around because I remember when I went to Miss USA, I decided to start the program over. So I started in September and I was supposed to be in the January class. And I was like so behind because like I, there was like a schedule and I just wasn't sticking to the schedule. Like I would go to most of the classes. Sometimes I would fall asleep during the afternoon classes or the the last classes, like there'd be class from seven to eight, eight to nine, nine to 10, 10 to 11. And sometimes I would fall asleep during the 10 to 11 ones and I wasn't doing my homework and I was like, I don't feel like I'm setting myself up to actually be able to do better on the exam this time because last time I did passive learning. I went to all the classes and then I left and I took my test and I failed. And I was like, so I need to do more than just go to classes and take notes because I take bomb notes, but am I reviewing them? Am I doing spaced repetition and all these other things? So I... Yeah, I just took forever to realize I actually can't do both and I need to go down to part time. Like I said, I think I first decided to restart the class because I said, you know what, I started and I was a little bit frazzled. Um, it took me a minute to get the hang of things. I'm going to start over with the new class. And then I think it was maybe two to three weeks after that, I said, let me also go down to part time while doing this new class. After that, I mean, I did that from probably like October to December. And when did I, oh my gosh, my memory is so bad. I literally can't remember any of this and this just happened. But I think it was getting to the point where I'm actually tired of talking and so my words aren't making any sense. And we haven't even gotten into the nitty gritty of everything that happened. So let me try and wrap up this part. Basically, I went from working full time and studying full time to studying while working part time. At that point, I think that I was trying to take my test in January. Then I restarted my MCAT class again. Um, I like 
started with the new group of people. I restarted. And by that point, I was going to be taking the test in March. So then I scheduled my test and my first MCAT date was March 13th. And so by that point, yes, I was working part-time. I was studying part-time and I had my date set for March. And that's where you guys left that's where you guys last saw me, where I was like trying to study for this March testing date. And it was basically in January after this time where I was talking to one of my mentors, Dr. E, um, at work and my work bestie, Glory. And it was mainly, it was like one day I was in the medical assistant office and it was during lunchtime and I was like trying to do homework and I had fell asleep. I fell asleep. Like, so I had my, I was like, my face was in my food and like also like leaning and my hair was like over my laptop and it was just like a really ugly sight. And so um, Dr. E basically came into the office and was like, are you okay? <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I'm just like really tired. And he's like, dude, are you like working like during your lunch? You need to take a break because being a medical assistant, that could be a whole nother episode. It's not glitz and glam at all. Okay. That's a whole nother thing. And I think you, I wanted it to be just like a clinical, easy job for me to make money while I was, you know, during my gap years, but it took a lot out of me, like physically and mentally. And like I said, it was really, really hard to do while also trying to study for the MCAT. And he was like, dude, you need to quit. (laughs) And I was like, Dr. E, like, why would you say that? I don't want to quit. Like, I need a job. And the thing is, um, and I didn't go into full detail about this with you guys. And now really isn't the time either. But I was supposed to like have my own space that I was living at, not my parents' house. Like I live in my mom's house now. Um, And ended up working out thank God she allows me to live here and I don't pay rent. But at the time when I was graduating from my graduate program, I thought I'm going to be moving back home and I'm going to have to pay rent. So I need a job. So I got a job to pay rent and to be an adult. And then I realized, okay, I'm working these crazy hours and I don't have any bills to pay. Like my loans weren't even started back yet. So I'm like, why am I killing myself when I could be using this time and energy setting for the MCAT? And then it was like, I don't really need any money <laughs> at all. Like I can actually, I, I I saved so much of my money because I did not have anything to purchase. Like what am I buying? You know, I was like, I can sustain myself without working for a couple of months as I focus on the MCAT. Like I said, my mentor wanted me to quit, but I was like, I think I can take a leave of absence from work. So it was a whole process because I had to talk to my boss and then my other boss and my other boss. I had to talk to everybody about it. And it was like very nerve wracking. I remember just being so anxious because I just thought that they were going to fire me or that they were going to be like, this isn't working because it was like, I had only been working there for a little bit before I was like, I need to go down to part time. And then working there for a little bit before I was like, actually, I just need a whole break altogether. And I was like, they're just going to fire me. Like they are going to hate me. But um, luckily they said, okay, they said it was fine. They knew that I was working hard. And I was like, listen, by this point it was January. And like my test is in March, you'll blink and I'll be back. Don't worry about it. So here I am now studying full time for the MCAT. And I, I should be excited. But the first I remember the first day, I remember being scared out of my mind, (laughs) again, because 
there were no more excuses. Like there was no more excuses. It was all up to me. Like now you have no excuse. You have all the time in the world to do what you need to do in order to be successful. And I wanted it. I wanted to do well. I genuinely wanted to spend all of my time and dedicate myself to studying so that I could do well on the test. Like I wanted nothing better to do well on that test. Um, and where I was currently at was that I was behind on watching some of the lectures because basically, like I said, they'd be, there would be lectures from seven to 11 and often I would fall asleep because I'd be so tired from work. And so I would kind of like write down, okay, I need to go back and watch this lecture. Or maybe like I would be there in attendance to the lecture, but the person would be talking so fast that I wrote the notes, but I needed to review them or whatever the case may be to where I just had like a long list of there are so many lectures that I need to go back and rewatch or retake notes or just like digest. And the list was so long and it was taking me so long to get through everything that I wanted to like in one day. I would kind of have like a to-do list and I would maybe get through like three things out of the 15 things that I had on there. Here's tip number two. Don't do to-do lists. (laughs) Like don't write to-do lists. I think I've heard because I've gotten really into productivity and I can't wait to like add this to my channel with the content videos that I create in the future. But instead of creating a to-do list for yourself, create a schedule, like map out how long you think it's going to take yourself to do something and overestimate that. Instead of saying, I'm going to get these 12 things done. If you really try and map out your day, you'll realize I can probably get done four if I also include me eating and resting in between. And then you'll feel more accomplished because you will have accomplished everything that you wanted to get done in that day instead of feeling like, wow, I've only gotten done four things and I need to get done 20 things today. And I would just have like an ongoing to-do list and it just, I always would add things to it and I felt like nothing was ever getting crossed off. And again, that's just me being hard on myself, but also realistic. Like it just I wasn't making progress and I was thinking to myself like yo I've got like eight weeks it was something like 12 or eight it was something where it was like I need to be making progress now and I also was still in the content review stage where I was like I need to be in the practicing phase like I need to practice but I feel like I don't know anything so I was so overwhelmed and then I basically started doing the review sheets. And so this part cut out in my MCAT diary, which was annoying. But basically, again, another plug for the integrative MCAT tutoring program that I used. But one of the key, like key resources that they had that I loved was that they created um, review sheets for every single time, to- basically all of the main topics, like big ones. So they were probably around like 24 each different section. So 20 for biology, 20 for biochemistry, 24 chemistry, 24 organic chemistry, 24 physics, 24 psychology, 24 social. Like there were a lot of review sheets, but they would take like every like major topic and they would break down the different terms and practice problems that you would need. Or it would just kind of give you, again, it was a review of that topic. And so my kind of workflow was that I would listen to the lecture whether it be live, if I had already listened to it, I would just review my notes. Um, if I didn't, I would watch the lecture and take my, my notes. And then I would do the review sheet without my notes. I usually could only do like a couple of questions. And then I would do the review sheet, like finish it with my notes. Then I would transcribe that review sheet to Anki. Then I would practice until I finished the deck for the day. 
and then I would do practice problems. Now, it took me a while to get there because for like the first review sheet that I did, legit took me three days. And it was one review sheet and it was for general chemistry. And I was immediate, like I just got so overwhelmed and flustered. And I just remember just feeling like there's no way I'm going to get through everything. Like there's so much to do and so little time. And that's where I was for a little bit. I mean, I think I was, I was trying to push through. I think we can now just get into kind of like my mindset and the roller coaster ride that I was on and I also put myself through. After this time of me struggling, trying to get these review sheets done and working, I think the next barrier that I faced was I would easily become exhausted. Like I really tired myself out. I was like, okay, I used to get up by 7 a.m. I used to be at my desk at least by, you know, 7.45 a.m. So I need to be at my desk studying for the MCAT by 7.45 a.m. And I need to be going to bed at 11 p.m. Because this these were my hours when I was working and studying. Now that I'm studying full time, all of these hours should be dedicated to studying for the MCAT. It's like, come on, Breland, 7 to 11? Like that was ridiculous. And you couldn't stay up when you were working and doing that. So why would you do that to yourself, you know? The problem is that all of this was so trial and error and it would take me trying something, realizing it wasn't working and wasting weeks and then fixing it and then trying again and just kept doing that over and over and over again. And where I ended up at was thinking, okay, 7 a.m., that's not working for me. I, I literally could not get up earlier than 8.30 a.m. So I would set my alarm for 8.30. And if I went to sleep like I was supposed to the night before, 8.30 would be okay. Like I can wake up by 8.30. But honestly speaking, you guys, I was waking up at like 9 a.m., sometimes 10 a.m. And it was because I'm a very disciplined person, but sometimes I just let myself get away with things that I know that I shouldn't have. But my daily schedule was kind of like I'd wake up at like 9am. And again, I don't remember when it was maybe around March ish. This must have been after I'm skipping things because I pushed my test back. And I'm trying to think I'm sorry, you guys, this is the worst episode ever. Because I can't even remember like when I decided to push my test back. But I know that I have it recorded. And I thought about it for a while. Because like I said, when I was studying, even though I was full time, And then once I really wrote out everything that I wanted to get accomplished before my test date, and I literally was like, okay, I need to get done 10 things each day. And I was getting done one thing every three days. And then I would like be so exhausted and tired and I would be like hard on myself and kind of just like, yo, I need a mental break. And mind you at this time too, I was also really isolating myself. Like I I really wasn't spending time with my family, my friends. Like I wasn't going out like I wouldn't allow myself to do anything I wasn't on social media like I was very much so isolated which was in some sense it was you know good for me but in other senses it was also very unhealthy because I just didn't allow myself to do anything like butt study like I did not have my subscription services to Hulu Netflix Disney plus only thing that I had was YouTube and for the first month I also was like praying and fasting and I did that for I think 
two months instead of 21 days. I did that for two months because I was so like in need of an answer from God. So my mind was basically always just running because I was trying to accomplish this never ending to do list. I wasn't getting enough sleep and I just, I didn't feel good enough. And I just had all this pressure on myself because I'm like this test, like I said, is the determining factor on whether or not I get into medical school. And I've only ever wanted to be a doctor. That's all I've ever wanted to do. That's all I see myself doing. I know that I can do it. And it's kind of just like this one thing just seems to be in the way between me and my goal and my dreams. And it's like, it's, it was so much pressure because I, again, I put this pressure on myself, but it felt like if I do not do well, this is going to be bad. Like this is going to be bad for me. This is going to be bad for me mentally. It's going to be bad for me physically because of all the different things that will transpire if I don't do well in this test. For example, like I said, I'm I'm living here in mom's house and I mean, this is a great space, but I am about to be 25 years old and I desire to move out on my own. And the only opportunity for me to move out, especially in like the DMV area, which is so expensive, would be for me to be in school. If I'm not in school, I probably won't be able to afford any place on my own. So that's another reason why like I'm ready to move forward to go to, you know, medical school. I literally am around, I'm either isolated or I'm around like, women all day. I have no opportunity to like meet, hang out, interact with men or just other people because I've graduated from an all girls school and I work at a GYN office with all girls and it's like I'm getting older. I would like to like meet men and like date or just like have other friends other than just like girls and that's really hard. So I basically just put myself in a situation right where I'm crippling myself like my future is dependent on this MCAT. And that is like, if I don't do well in the MCAT, now we're in a crisis. And I have this quote here that says, a crisis is always more than a crisis. It is an opportunity to experience and know God to a degree and depth that you have never known before. And so it's a natural human instinct to be avoidant of this process because we as humans run from crisis. And yet a crisis is a prime opportunity for all of us to experience and know God intimately, personally, and profoundly. So I was at this like mindset where I'm like, I need to calm myself mentally and spiritually. So I was praying and fasting heavy and hard because I'm like, I feel under attack. (laughs) Like I feel like I am really going through it because Every day, it was just like this mental battle trying to convince myself that I could do what felt impossible. Like it literally felt impossible. It felt like the odds were against me. The numbers were not adding up. And I even have it written down here. You know that you were in a crisis when all of your options are gone, when everything you thought could work doesn't work. You can't negotiate your way out of it. You can't spend your way out of it. You can't talk your way out of it. You can't network your way out of it. When all that you have learned and all that you have tried is not enough to alleviate the situation you are caught in, you know that you are in a God-ordained or a God-allowed crisis with a purpose. And so my goal was to be more aware to be more aware of what God was doing in the midst of my crisis because I was spiraling on the daily and 
my constant battle was not allowing like my trauma to trap me. And so, like I said, I felt like I was racing against time and I knew pretty early on, if possible, I'm going to push my test back because I just need a little bit of time. <laughs> like that was what I told myself. I just need a little bit of time. I feel like now that I'm studying full time, I'm getting things done, but the deadline is just a little bit too close. So if I could push it back just a month, I'd be good. So mind you, I originally wanted to take my test in January. I, I restarted my class and then I was like kind of set to take it in March. So when I, and I was trying to decide between, do I really want to like push back my class between January and March? And when I went to register for my MCAT date, all the January dates were gone. Only thing available was March. And that's when I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to take my test in March, then I'm just going to start over studying so that I can like really like do it full on heavy focused, like I'm going to do this. And yeah, like I said, I I just didn't feel ready. And so I pushed it back to, I was going to push it back to April, but the earliest date that was actually available was May. I think it was like May, like maybe April 30th or May 1st. And then May 1st was a Saturday. So I said, okay, we're going to change our MCAT date. This is the second official time, third time in my mind. I went from January to March, now May. And my date is now May 1st. And here's the thing, like your mind. Oh, I literally have it written down here. The process of being in the mist felt like it was going on forever because when it was September and I'm thinking, okay, I'm taking my test in January. You know what I'm saying? We're just getting started here. We're good to go. I remember in December being like, I'm almost done. Like I'm, I'm in the middle of it. Like this is just, this is the hard part because it's the middle. This is the valley. But once I get, you know, January, I'll be there. But then January came and then I pushed it back to March. So now January is the valley. So instead of it being here, I felt like I was here and then I pushed it back. So now in March, we're still in the valley. So here I am kind of like, is there any daylight? Like, am I ever going to be on that other uphill? Because I just feel like I'm in the valley. I feel like I'm in the mist. I feel like I'm in the middle phase. Like the middle was November, then December, then February, then March, then April. And the more my deadline was pushed back further and further, the more tiresome and full of doubt that I felt. And I also began to feel like a huge lack of progress. This is when my anxiety really started to build up because I started to see again a lack of my progression in my scores. So I was trying to take full practice exams as well as just like, you know, just different practice problems every day. And I was bombing everything. Like I was not, I was not doing well. And I was like trying to take a closer look at like what exactly was holding me back. And I realized like I have this huge mental block that's preventing me from passing this test and that there is a lesson that I need to learn during the season Um, and more than just like me to pass this exam. But I mean, this is not going to be the last big exam that I have to take in my life, especially if when especially when I become a doctor there are so many more tests in the work so I'm like this is something that I need to overcome but like where did this come from like God man I love him if y'all don't know we're gonna be talking about Jesus up in this podcast (laughs) okay I mean I love me some God and 
I mean, what can I say except for he walks with me and he was walking with me throughout this process. And so it got to a point where I was so at my wits ends. Like I was trying my very best and I still was not, I I was not progressing. I did not feel good enough. And I felt like maybe it's just not going to happen. Like maybe at this point, I just need a miracle. Like at this point, I need God to come and take the test for me. Like I need something else outside of my will to happen because I don't think that even if I work every day, all day, all night, which I'm already doing, I don't think I'm actually going to be able to get a passing score. Like that's genuinely how I felt. And I mean, I was crying every day because it was like, it was really hard too because it was such a lonely time and I really didn't have anybody to talk to about it. A lot of my friends are either surpassed me in this in this phase who are still in the medicine or they have dropped medicine altogether. And my family, I'm obviously going to be the first doctor in my family, so nobody really understands like what this is like. And I don't even think anybody has done anything to where they've had a really big, important test to where they've had to fully dedicate months of their life to like this. Like nobody understood what I was going through. And for my family, again, I'll just touch on this slightly, like they were as supportive as they could be for people who just did not understand. Like my cousins in particular, it was really interesting because we for years had all been living in different states because we were all first generation college students. We all went off to college different places. And now during this time, during the pandemic, we had all basically moved back home. And, you know, because we were family, they were feeling comfortable seeing each other and just hanging out all the time and chatting in our family group chat all the time. And I was ghost. I was like, I cannot I cannot go out. I cannot hang out. I cannot drink, cannot party. Like I need to be studying. If I'm not studying, I need to be sleeping. If I'm not sleeping, I need to be listening to a sermon so that I can be, you know, replenishing my spirit in order for me to study. Like that's it. It was eat, drink, sleep, like MCAT. And the people around me weren't necessarily like, I won't say everybody because some people tried, but it, it was really difficult for people to realize like the support that I needed at the time was not you need a day off, you work so hard. I don't need to hear that because like, I like everybody's different. But for me, I knew that I was working hard. I didn't need for somebody to give me a pass to have fun because I I didn't want to have fun. Because for me personally, having fun was only going to stress me out. Only thing that kind of calmed me down. And even that because sometimes like I would I would be working for like, days straight without taking a break and I'm like okay let me give myself a break let me like sleep in or let me just you know not study today and I would have so much guilt and anxiety all day that it would be not fun like the only thing that would that I could do would be sleep um and sometimes though I would be so either anxious or tired or overworked that I would take multiple days off as a break and But again, it wasn't like a fun break. Like the whole break, I was like, I need to be up, I need to be working, but I'm so tired, I need a break. And so it was a really really hard balance between feeling like 
I knew that my family supported me and they're rooting for me, but nobody quite knew how to be there for me at that time. And even like friends, like some friends, you know, they would check in on me or they'd be like, you got this. Like if I would tell them that I pushed my test back, they'd be like, you know, you're psyching yourself out. You got this. Like just take it. I'm like, you have no idea. You don't understand. Like you don't see my scores. You don't see me stressing. You don't see how I don't understand. And I'll study a topic and then I'll do you know, practice problems and I'll get a zero percent. I'll get absolutely every question wrong, which shows that I'm clearly not ready to take the test. doesn't matter how long I've been studying or how hard you see me working. Like if the results aren't there, then sometimes it it just felt like the people who I did have in my life to support me, sometimes they were being supportive. I don't know how to explain it. It's just like, it didn't feel like anybody was doing the right thing. I don't say nobody because there were some people, but like one of my friends, oh, shout out to Jasmine. I just have to shout out to Jasmine because she was one of my favorite people during this time because she was so like present, but like not pressuring. She would send me Bible quotes if she saw something that she read or she saw that made her think of me or she thought that would be helpful to me at times. Sometimes she would just like text me prayers or just, you know, literally just send me different things to let her know when she was thinking about me and that's all I really wanted and needed at the time. Like she never invited me to go anywhere, which I appreciate it because I didn't feel like I had to say no. And she didn't like tell me that I was ready without even fully knowing the situation. She really just like spoke life into me. And also like one of my love languages is words of affirmation. So, and again, I'm a Jesus freak. So all of those things together just really worked for me. Um, but yeah, I will say it was a very like lonely time and I was just praying for like a miracle. I was like, God, can you come and take the MCAT? Like, can you come and take it for me? Because I don't think I can. And right around this time, if you guys are also not familiar, um, in addition to being an OBGYN, the reason why I'm like really into content creation and all of this stuff is that I want to be a media health expert on, you know, television one day, either with my own talk show or, you know, just a media correspondent on something like CNN or ABC or something like that. And, and so crazy story, there's this woman, she's an OBGYN and she's a media health expert. She's been on Dr. Oz and all, all of the things like she's really amazing. And she, like I said, she's an OBGYN a black woman and I've been following her on Instagram for a while and before I got off of Instagram I told myself okay when I get back on Instagram I'm going to reach out to her and message her to be like my mentor just ask for her advice because like she's exactly where I want to be and I need more people where I want to be instead of kind of like you know, so many people around me that are kind of on the same level. Like I want some people who are above me, not only in the specific career that I want to be in, but also like the subspecialty um, and with that media twist to it. So I already knew who she was and I was following her. And again, if you guys have been following me for a while, you may remember that I went to a church in North Carolina, like when I was dealing with, um, severe anxiety and depression in grad school one thing that really helped me was finding my community and specifically finding a church home that church home was called world overcomers in durham north carolina and ever since i was basically a part of like the dance ministry as well as like the young adult ministry and the one of the pastors for that young adult ministry he has like his own company organization um and it's called good life And so I guess because I was in one email list, I ended up joining his email list unintentionally. And 
I got this email and it was basically for this webinar series type event and it was called Me First. And I thought, well, this is interesting because I actually kind of got in a little bit of a, you know, tiff with my family around this time because like my family was kind of calling me selfish and saying that like I was, you know, and I, I really couldn't put too much energy and thought into it because I was focused and I couldn't use any more of my emotion on anything but like trying to uplift myself. But I was in this period where I knew I needed to put myself first, but at the end of the day, really the MCAT was first. Like I would feed, eat, burp the MCAT before I even took care of myself. Like I wasn't doing my hair, my nails. I wasn't wearing makeup. Like everything was MCAT, okay? Everything was MCAT. Anyway, so I get this email and the thing that really intrigued me about it was that there were basically three different speakers who were going to be speaking. One was this pastor who was familiar to me because he was um, a pastor at World Overcomers. I didn't know him, but I saw him around. And another person, um, I wasn't familiar with him, but he was like really into um, HR and resumes and something. The point is that in this email, I see on the flyer that this doctor who I followed on Instagram, she was going to be there for this webinar. And this was like a private class. And it was like a, it was like a mini, I really don't know what to call it because I don't know. I thought it was something different than what it actually was. So now knowing what it is, I'm trying to like explain it in a way where you are kind of where I'm at when I first see this, but I basically see it. I'm kind of thinking to myself, I do not have time to do anything else right now. It's MCAT season. I'm, I'm studying for the MCAT. But here is this girl, this woman who I really admire and I would love to be in the same space as her and receive her contact information on a more personal level. This is something that I should invest myself in. And, um, and I've been working hard and I deserve it. So I decide to join this program called Me First. <laughs> God is so good. I mean, he gives you exactly what you need when you need it, people. And I mean, oh my gosh, he's so good. So so after I sign up for this workshop, I see that there's like this whole website, there's an app, you have like homework and you have to like go through all this stuff before like the first Zoom class. And I was like, oh, this is too much. Like, I'll just like watch the Zoom video when it comes out because I'm busy and I just don't have time for this. And I missed the first Zoom call because like studying for the MCAT. And so I ended up getting an email from my facilitator because like there's a big group of people and they broke us down into small groups. And my group leader, um, her name is Erica. Shout out to Erica. Uh, she emailed me and was like, hey, you know, we see that you weren't there. Like, is everything okay? Are you involved? And I was like, oh girl, like, I didn't know how to do all of this because this was a lot and I just didn't have time to read everything because I'm busy. <laughs> and she was like, how about we schedule a meeting with, um, you know, me and the person who was over top of this whole thing, um, the pastor. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. No problem. And you guys, okay, the story is getting so long. Here I was thinking, I don't think I can talk for an hour. I promise every episode won't be this long, but we've got some things to get into. It's getting good, I promise. Okay, so I join this Zoom call with my facilitator and the pastor, and I'm talking to them about how, hey, look, y'all, this thing sounds great. I'm basically here because I saw a potential mentor who I would like to connect with, but I'm sitting for the MCAT right now, and I don't really have much to give to the program. So like all of these miniature meetings and the homework and stuff, mm, 
you know, maybe after the MCAT. But for now, I can't do it. I'm literally just here like for the networking. And I don't even know how to explain it, but the pastor immediately takes a liking to me. He starts asking me about myself and we are talking for like hours and we're just talking about like my life and what I want to do and like who I am. And, you know, I tell him about my YouTube and I was like, you know, I do social media because and the thing that's really interesting is that he gave me a different perspective on influencing because at the time I was very like anti-influencer, which I still am. But again, he gave me a different perspective on influencing. We just basically talked about how I'm called in so many different areas in my life. And I think that, you know, it's been a while since somebody again has really spoken like life into me in that way. And it was very impactful because I mean, I think one, because he was a pastor or something like, oh, like you must know because like you're connected with God. But I think another thing is that this was the first time that I had met this person and I gave him a very like brief snapshot of who I was as a person. And he was so immediately like impressed and committed, like he was invested, like he was like, oh, you're going places. Like you are going to do great things. I see it. I don't even have to really know you and know all your story, know all that you've been through to know like you're special, like you're different. You, yeah, I need you to like stick with me, kid, because you're going far. And I'm thinking to myself like, wow, I've never had anybody take an immediate like taking to me in this way and one thing that he really mentioned to me in our first conversation kind of like you know as we're talking getting to know each other is like I have a lot of mentors in a lot of different like areas in life but one thing that I don't have is like a spiritual mentor somebody who's there for me in that realm to you know when I need somebody to pray for me and it's like I said I've been in church all my life and now that I've moved back to Maryland I'm no longer really a member of that church. I'm kind of like a member of Bedside Baptist. I watch many sermons every week, but, you know, I don't have a pastor who I could call if I needed somebody because I'm kind of just like watching, you know, transformation and elevation and stuff online every week. And so I thought that it was a really great, you know, divine intervention where this man was literally placed into my life and And also Erica, my facilitator, she was talking to me about how she also had great experience dealing with like severe anxiety um, studying for a test because she is a licensed marriage counselor and she had previously like just taken her test for it. So we had this amazing talk and we were all bonding and I was kind of just like, okay, this is really cool. And long story short, it ended up being a three-week process. And again, we were in like little groups of people and it was like therapy. It was like Christian therapy because we had to do all these different like exercises and we would write out things and we would meet and we would talk. And it was a really deep dive. And I realized some things about myself that were just like light bulbs. And I thought, again, it was really healthy because I really wasn't talking to anybody about how I was feeling. Everything was very like pent up and I was letting everything out. And I realized like, I am traumatizing myself, but it's also because I'm at this place where I've been traumatized. And long story short, kind of just sharing with you all what I learned and I experienced through this process, um, 
in this Me First program and talking with my pastor and other people who had dealt with a lot of trauma and things was that I basically have like PTSD and it's like beyond test anxiety because I actually experienced failure. Like I think a lot of time for test anxiety, you know, it's the room, it's the conditions, but it doesn't matter what I did to prepare. Sometimes I could study, you know, the night before, or I could study for months before. I could pull an all-nighter. I could get a good night's sleep. I could eat breakfast. I could be in office hours. I could read the whole book. I could, you know, draw the heart inside out on a whiteboard. And sometimes I would still come up short. And the moment that always dropped my heart, you know, the moment where my heart would always sink would be receiving that score back. And even though I thought like I did well, or I thought that I knew the answers and getting the worst grade that you could have ever imagined, that you would have never imagined. And it happening over and over and over again, I began to not only have anxiety about taking the test because, you know, every answer counts. And, you know, the pressure that you put on each test, especially like in grad school, like, I mean, it was like this in college too, where 25% of your grade will be like a 25% of your final grade will be for one test. And so every answer, like you, you'll really start to break down and think if this test has a hundred questions, then this one question has this much percent of my final grade. And I mean, the pressure that you would have, and then to, again, literally come so close to failure every time and your heart sinking, your heart sinking, you kind of make it through. But then in grad school, it reached a whole new low where I actually failed. And that was the worst feeling that I have ever felt in my entire life. And I never wanted to feel that again. Like I never wanted to feel that feeling again in my life. And so I I also notice experiencing that similar feeling when taking practice exams because the first time I took a practice exam and I got that horrible score, it took me months before being able to take another one. And I mean, it was bad. Like I would shut down. Like I couldn't, sometimes I couldn't study for days because I'd be so anxious about taking the test and mainly getting the score back for the test. Like, will this mean that all of this that I've done for the past two months, two weeks, two days, two hours was worth nothing, was pointless, was, you know, has had no impact, has no, has had, has no effect on the scores that I keep scoring and bad score after bad score after bad score. Like it would just put me in a funk for days sometimes weeks and it would take something you know something different every time to kind of like jolt me out of it but those low lows that I was feeling afterwards it just it was like I never I didn't want to feel those so I would avoid I would avoid I would avoid 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 in any way shape or form feeling that feeling whether that means not taking the test or not looking at the score for the test. And obviously, this is not healthy. So this is, 
I realized, like I said, that this is like some PTSD that I have where I'm like so traumatized from the failure that I literally have anxiety before even receiving failure. I wasn't able to fully study to my full capacity and I wasn't able, it's like I never truly could believe that I could actually do it. It was more so like me waiting for that F, waiting for that failure, waiting for that low score, waiting for that disappointing feeling when I realized yet again that I didn't do it. This kind of reminds me of Paul's story in the Bible, Second Corinthians, um, my lack of confidence in my academics because Paul, he found himself in a season of excruciating pressure and stress that he fittingly described as torment. And a lot of times you guys will hear me talk about MCAT and I'll say like MCAT jail and I'll say it jokingly and it is a joke, but it's also like, I don't think people fully understand the amount of torment that was going on in my mind. Like I was daily fighting off demons. Um, And because I just, I began to feel like the thorn in my flesh was that I was never actually smart. Like I'm not actually beauty and brains. And I've I've talked about this a little bit before, um, like on Instagram posts. I haven't been smart in a long time. Like I've, I'm a master of physiology and I failed my way through. I've graduated from the number one HBCU, barely. And here I am wanting to be a doctor And I know that I would be a great practicing physician, but the academics, the scores that it takes to actually become a doctor, I have the greatest fear that I will never have those scores. And doing the work, um, I kind of found a funny tweet that made me feel seen. It's by Jess Zeidman at J-Z-E-I-D-Z. And it says, you were gifted and talented in elementary school. Choose your path. Anxiety, depression, fear of failure that plagues your every decision, intense guilt that you'll never live up to your earlier potential, good at crossword puzzles, or all of the above. I must say that I have not done many crossword puzzles, but everything else Yeah. And I I should mention this. I was definitely in the talented and gifted program in elementary school. Like I was always known for being like that smart kid. Like I was the smartest of my siblings, smartest of my family. Like I said, I was always a smart girl. Then I got to college and all of a sudden I was like, well, who are we kidding? Like I'm clearly not smart. I just work really hard. And you know, then it's been like, dang, even working hard (laughs) ain't even really cutting it. And The gig is up. Like I can't, I cannot finesse the MCAT. This is infinessable. And so I'm in this, you know, struggle of fear, darkness, loneliness, vulnerability, exhaustion, and I'm tormented. And so I talked to my pastor and this newfound community about it. And again, I felt like it was really, really helpful during this time because one, it gave me this person to confide into who 
again, just saw me in this different light that I currently just wasn't able to see myself in. Like I was not being nice to myself. I was not thinking highly of myself and I was not truly believing in myself. And this person who I quickly got to know believed in me. And I was like, you don't even know me like that. But he did. He believed in me and he spoke life into me and he, you know, helped and guided me you know, through the end of my process. Now we're in the month of April and we're getting close to my testing date. I was feeling okay and I took a practice test and the score was not great. This moment in this journey, in this process and in my life, it really reminds me of the story of Jacob in the Bible. And I, I, I kind of have to laugh because I always kind of mention how it's such main character energy. Like whenever I talk about anybody in the Bible, like I'm the main character. Like if we're talking about Paul, I'm Paul. If we're talking about Jacob, I'm Jacob. If we're talking about David, I'm David. And it's like, no, maybe sometimes you're Goliath. But no, if you ask me, like I'm always, I'm always the main character. Okay. But no, um, if you guys are unfamiliar with Jacob's story, he confronts failure weaknesses, his sins, and all the things that are hurting him and he faces God. And there is a moment where Jacob wrestles with God all night. Bible says that it was an exhausting struggle that left him crippled. And it was only after he came to grips with God and ceased his struggling, realizing that he cannot go on without him, that he received God's blessing. Oh, amen. Somebody tell me why I'm feeling that all over again. Hello, amen. Because what we learn from this remarkable incident, okay, in the life of Jacob is that, A, our lives were never meant to be easy. Because that's one thing that I kept asking myself, like, why me? Like, why can't it just be easy? Like, this isn't this hard for other people. Other people don't have to struggle this hard for the MCAT. I've never heard of anybody literally going through an existential crisis for the MCAT. But sometimes this is the case, especially when we take it upon ourselves to wrestle with God and his will for our lives. So I wrote down here that we will learn that as Christians, despite our trials and tribulations, our strivings in this life are never devoid of God's presence and his blessings inevitably follow the struggle which can sometimes be messy and chaotic, but that real growth experiences always involve struggle and pain. And so to build my faith and confidence in a season of fear, I went back to a place where I didn't think I would make it. And when I didn't know what would happen next to remind myself that he is always with me and he's always within me. One of the last moments that I had was before I took one of my last practice exams. Um, Well, after I took one of my last full length practice exams and I did not do well. And I had to send in my scores to um, the program, the test program that I take the exams with. And the director of the program straight up told me, you need to push your test back. And I mean, I just remember crying for days because, again, I was working so hard and I felt ready, but I also felt like I'm clearly not ready because my scores are not reflecting the amount of work that I'm putting in. But 
at this point, you guys have to understand I'm tired. Like I'm mentally tired. I'm physically tired. I want to move on. I want to close this chapter of my book. I want to finally be on the uphill part of the valley. I no longer want to be in the depths of fear and anxiety. I want to move on. I want to take the test and get it over with. But I mean, do I want to take the test if I will not score well? If I don't do well, all of this will be for nothing. So at this point, I've been studying for nine months, September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, and we're going into the month of May. And my MCAT, my MCAT tutor is telling me to push my test back. And I'm talking to my pastor and I'm like, honestly, I think I'm just going to go for it. (laughs) At this point, I was like, I'm so over it. I think I'm just going to go for it. But also part of me is like, I'm so scared that she's right. And all of this hard work, this time, this money I can never get back. And is it really worth, you know, me being done? Because that's what kind of kept me going. That's what like I kept pushing my test back for. Oh, I didn't even mention I talked about this in my MCAT diaries, but rewinding back where there was a point in time where I took a practice exam and I scored well. Mind you, my first official test date like that I had actually registered for was March 13th. I pushed it back. I wanted it to be April 10th, but the earliest date was May 1st. So I put out notifications so that when an April test date opened up, I could switch it um, to an earlier date. Right after I got a pretty okay score from a practice exam, um, I got a notification that a test date for April 23rd had opened up. Mind you, this is only seven days earlier than my May 1st test date. But this just kind of shows you guys how desperate I was to be done. I was like, that's seven days of freedom. That means that I can enter May and it'll be a new season. I'll be fresh. I'll be, I can just really see it being like just May. (laughs) Like I was so ready to be done with that test that I was willing to give up seven days of me studying. And again, every day counts when it comes to this MCAT stuff. So long story short, I switched my test to the April 23rd and then got scared. And I was like, girl, you tripping and push my test date back to May 1st. But it was um, probably a week before, probably around that April 23rd day where, again, I was trying to decide again, do I need to push it back? Because my, my teacher sent me to push it back, but I really want to take it. And I was crying for so many days because she really like just gave me severe anxiety. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like, I want to be done. I want to take it. Um, I'm not scoring well, but I feel like I've been doing this for nine months. If I don't got it by now, I'm not going to get it. And, um, but I just didn't have enough confidence in myself really to kind of like pull the trigger. And so again, talking with my pastor, we kind of just both talked about it and decided like what I need is to build my confidence back up. And he talked to me a lot about this, about how like when he first met me and, you know, he got the vibe of who I was. And then he went on to my social media and was kind of like, oh, you're that girl. And I'm like, "Ah, thanks. But no, but for real, I think that he was kind of like this person that I'm seeing in front of me, because y'all, I was a different person. Like, he was like, who is this? Like, 
you are the most confident, sure of yourself person, but you start talking about anything MCAT and you cripple up into this little insecure, unsure girl. And I was just like, I know. And he's like, you need to have that same confidence that you have when you're in front of a camera for YouTube or when you're on a stage performing or, you know, doing a pageant. Like you need to have that same confidence when you're taking that MCAT test. And we need to kind of like get that out of you because again, it's always been in you. And I know that God is a promise keeper and he is a way maker. And so it's just a matter of kind of like meeting him where he's at and like believing in him. And so I decided to push my test back two weeks, not a, not too much longer. But and my main reason for that was because um, my mahogany sisters were graduating from Spelman College, our alma mater, and we were going to go on a vacation afterwards. And that was like in the middle of May. So I said, okay, I need to be on that vacation. I'm not missing a vacation. I literally have not been anywhere. I've been in the house for nine months. I've been in MCAT jail. I'm not giving up vacation for this stupid MCAT. It's ruined my life enough. And I was like, I will study and build my confidence and kind of just like, you know, meditate and stay in the word and prepare myself both mentally and academically for this test up until the moment I need to leave for this trip. And so you guys saw the vlog. I basically changed my test date to May 14th and I literally changed it like so soon. <laughs> I changed it like a no, two weeks before. I think I changed it like two weeks before. Two weeks before my test, I changed it to March 14th. It was a little bit before two weeks before my test because my test was originally on May 1st and it was before May 1st. It was like, whatever. The point is I changed my date again and I actually went through with it. And before I give you guys my next section of the podcast. I know. So that's basically the gist of my MCAT experience. Um, I hope that gave you guys a better understanding of it, but we're not done yet. I want to give you guys a few things before I give you guys my kingdom keys. I want to talk about how I am a work in progress because, you know, I talk a lot about the anxiety and the PTSD that I have not only before taking the test, but specifically afterwards. And I can admit to you that here at this moment while filming this podcast, I have received my MCAT score results back for months now or a little bit over a month, almost two months. And I have not opened the results. We're keeping it real and raw. Like I'm being honest with you guys. This is like part of this I'm speaking of in past tense because it was the past tense. And you guys can, you'll see like because of the trauma that I face um, and that I've experienced, my memory is really bad. And so even though this was just yesterday, like this was just my life a few blinks ago, it was even hard for me to think of all the details even now, which is crazy, but it's also because I took so long. But I, like I said, I had a really hard time sitting down and filming this podcast because I haven't really talked about how this made me feel and everything from beginning to end 
you know, there have been a lot of people who were around during it, but even they, I don't feel like really knew what I felt and what was going on. And this is why I wanted this to be the first podcast back because I knew that I was going to be able to really get into some things and I wouldn't, it wouldn't feel right to jump into any other topic without explaining what my life has been like in the past six months. I'm, I am a work in progress. I am still dealing with this anxiety, even post exam. I am, like I said, I'm avoiding it because I don't want to feel that shame or defeat or that failure. Um, let me give you guys some kingdom keys. Okay. So I believe that God speaks to us in various different ways. And um, like I said, I went on actually two different fasts during my time of studying. I did Lent for my first time. I've listened to a lot of sermons during this time. So first, let me give you this one quote by Stephen Furtick. It was in his sermon called, um, It's Always Been in You. And Genesis 35, 2 reads, Get rid of the foreign goes you have with you and purify yourself and change your clothes. I can't go back to the battleground dressed like shame and defeat. Don't let anyone place anything on me that goes against what God has placed within me. So more kingdom keys. Let me tell you what, you know, I talked about how I felt like I was like in the middle transformation church. And this was like back in January, like right when um, I switched over to full time studying, they came out with this song called sustain. If you know that song, I actually haven't listened to it in a while and I should listen to it now. Um, it's so good and it talks about literally being in the middle being in the middle of but like God still being there with you and when I tell you I listen to that song every day multiple times a day every day multiple times a day every day multiple times a day like whenever I had a moment where I would feel a little bit anxious because one thing that I also really try to work on haven't mastered it but understanding that this anxiety that we're feeling that I feel at times is just, you know, extreme worry and worry is just worship used the wrong direction. With my situation and then I spin round and 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 round. But God said, stop spinning. And instead of starting your meditation with your situation, start with your source. When you know who your father is, it sends you spinning in a different direction. There were years where I hid behind the idea that I wasn't good enough, that I didn't have the intelligence or the talent or the charisma that it takes to minister to people from a stage. And the reality is I wasn't willing to put in the work to live up to the calling that God had placed right in my lap. You are enough and you have everything you need. If God called you, you're enough. And it's time for you to accept that. But that doesn't mean it won't be hard. And that doesn't mean you won't have to put in a lot of work. And that doesn't mean that sometimes you you won't like it. (laughs) Repetition over time creates strength. God will always point you to what is at hand. And the more your questions revolve around hypothetical situations that haven't happened and may not happen, the longer you are going to spend in the absence of an answer, which you will mistake for the absence of God. But God asked a better question. It's not what if they, what is that? 
When you focus on what God has given you, God says, I've already given you a that, no matter what they do. Anytime a negative thought starts rising up until you say everything must go, God, renew my mind and give me a mind like Christ. I can't afford to have this stinking thinking any longer. I'm trying to press towards the mark, and I can't do it thinking like the same girl I used to be. Everything's got to go. Everything's got to go. Every hater, every doubt, every fear, every insecurity, depression, loose my mind. Did you know that you have authority to roll up on your own depression? Can I get a little hood at elevation for a minute? That you can roll up on your own issues and say, devil, I've had enough. You can't have me any longer. Who the son is set free by God? I take authority over my mind. Loose my child and let him go. Let go of my husband in the name of Jesus. The answer to the issue that is ailing you is in you. Don't miss this. In other words, there are some situations that don't require divine intervention. They require the utilization of of previously made divine deposits. There are some things that God deposited in us in the past that he knew we would not need until the future. But sometimes it takes an issue to expose you to what's been in you that you didn't know was there until you were placed into a situation that put a demand on it. Some of us have experienced a sudden onset of anxiety and could be even like Israel, a series of your own poor decisions that led you to this place of confusion and pain. And I think when things like this happen, our natural instinct is to withdraw. I don't want to admit to others that I need help. I don't even want to cry out to God because I feel like I should be doing better than this. We feel like it's our own fault that we're suffering. And the thing about hiding is that it feels right at the time, but then it only makes you feel more isolated and alone. And for whatever reason that we find ourselves in this place, we start to convince ourselves that no one understands, no one cares. And so we just pull away even more. And we become starved for meaningful interaction with others and hungry for acceptance. It's not just about stuff. Sometimes the favor of God is about the people that he has placed in your life. And Mary understood that part of her strength would come from the people that she surrounded herself. So you can't keep running from what God wants to use to show you you. Because some of us, are you hearing? The problem introduces you to you. You don't know that your slingshot can kill a giant until God introduces you to Goliath. Because sometimes the problem we're intimidated by is the mirror God wants to use to show you you more than a shepherd, you're a king. I know what it cost you. I know who you had to become in order to step into this moment. And because you paid the price 
those moments of you missing the mark, they're away from you. Sis, I couldn't talk about courage this month without challenging you to come to a place where you are willing to show up and to believe and trust and have faith that God is going to be with you, that he's going to do the rest. I'm challenging myself, and I hope I'm challenging you too, but I am challenging myself to show up in this space of courage in a way I've never done before because I want to pour it all out. When you get desperate to pour out what costs you, when you get desperate to pour it out, and what do I mean by pour it out? It means that I want to use it all. I want to figure out how to recover from this. I want to figure out why you put me in this situation. I want to use it all. I want that wisdom to show up. I want that strength to show up. I don't want to just keep paying and storing it up for myself. I want to use it all. I want to be empty when it's all said and done. And so here I am. Use me. Sometimes it's not the enemy, but the inner me that's standing in my way. I believe that's from the sermon, Get Out of Your Way. We're going to repeat that because sometimes you just need to hear it more than once. Sometimes it's not the enemy, but the inner me that's standing in my way. Think about what that means for you. I know for me, my inner me is is mean. My inner me, she's not very nice to me, but God is within me. And I would repeat that to myself every day. God is within me. I cannot fail. And I know that regardless of what the score is, when I look at it, I know that I worked hard. And I know that if I am destined to go to medical school, I will go with whatever score I receive. God will make it work. Or he will build some type of character or there's there's there is purpose behind this pain and it will all be worth it and it'll all come together. And I'm such a planner. You know, I want things when I want them, how I want them with a nice pretty bow on them. But I don't know why I feel entitled to that when Lord knows nothing in life ever goes that way for me. So as much as I would love to go to medical school this cycle and get into my top schools and with full rides and I mean, I'm praying for it. Don't get me wrong. I'm praying. But if it takes another year, two years, three years, I just pray I don't have to take this MCAT over again. But whatever it may be, I know that God is with me throughout the process. So I'm going to close out with some tips. These are some of the things that I would change if I had to do this all over again, because again, I am a work in progress, but this is for you guys to learn from my mistakes. Okay. So number one, start off studying dedicated, no school, no work, and not when I'm burnt out. Like I said, I started studying with all of those things. I was basically fresh out of school. I was burnt out and I was working full time and I wasted time trying to find a balance until I realized I actually just need to do this on its own. So if I were to restart over again, I would literally tell my job, I need three months to study for the MCAT dedicated. I would set my date. I would set my calendar. I make sure I was fully rested before starting and then I would go hard. Number two is splitting my study schedule from content review um, and practice problems earlier. 
once I took my first practice exam, I realized, wow, I have not been doing enough practice problems. And I'm the kind of person where I, I literally content reviewed up until the day of the exam because it makes me feel comfortable, but it doesn't necessarily provide me with the best results. And I mean, statistically, that's the case. Like you have to do practice problems and you really need to set yourself a hard deadline to get through all of your content review so that you can do majority of your time doing practice problems. And I think that I didn't split that up well enough just because again, content review was like a nice warm blanket. It makes you feel comfortable and like you're doing something, but you need to do practice problems. Number three, is to stop changing your study strategy. I mean, kudos to you if you know how you study best before studying for the MCAT, like you're already 20 steps ahead of me. But I think that, like I said, I was like, oh, well, I'm gonna try and do the lecture notes and I'm gonna try and do Anki, then I'm gonna try and do review sheets and I'm gonna try and do... (sighs) If I just had the schedule from the beginning, I would have gotten a lot more done. Um, Number four, I didn't talk about this, but exercise daily. Again, I believe it was probably around April that I decided that I was going to start exercising. I did it about four times a week, sometimes five if I was feeling frisky. And I noticed a huge change, first of all, in my body. Okay, I loved that once I like entered back into the real world and I was seeing people, everybody was like, did you lose weight? Like you look fit. I actually loved that. I was like, oh, Yes, I've actually been working out like you can tell and I wasn't eating out a lot. So it was really nice. But more than that, what it did for my mental, it was super, super helpful to have a moment in the morning time where I just had me time and I could unapologetically like watch a YouTube video or just like meditate on gospel music. That's one key thing that I did switch. I was at first just listening to like a workout playlist, but I switched to a gospel workout playlist and I mean, it was much better for me because you just have to be careful with what you're putting in your body and your soul and your mind. But anyway, exercising daily really helped my mind, really helped my body and really helped my spirit. And that's what this episode and this podcast is all about. And my last um, tip is to not study longer than eight to 10 hours a day. Like I said, I was really inconsistent with my discipline and I would wake up at 8 30 to work out and sometimes I would get a gist of energy again around like 9 p.m my bedtime was supposed to be around 10 15 but then I wouldn't go to bed until like 12 and then it's like okay this kind of no sometimes one to two and I'm like okay it's not really realistic for me to try and wake up at 8 a.m to let me sleep in and that would keep happening to where I would wake up later, then go to sleep later and wake up later and go to sleep later. And I was drinking caffeine every day. So it was just a really hard cycle. And the more strict I was with myself, both working out daily, eating like healthy foods daily, kind of cutting out my caffeine or not cutting it out because let's be honest, but being very particular about what days I was going to drink caffeine and stopping it at a certain time and going to sleep at a certain time. I mean, I was just able to go for more days and I wasn't like burnt out by Wednesday and I had to take a break. Um, Yeah, my last piece of advice to my past self and maybe to you is to never let the fear of striking out stop you from playing the game. So remember that God is within you. You cannot fail. And sometimes it's not the enemy, but the inner me that's standing in your way. 
that's it you guys that's our first podcast episode oh my gosh now this was a long one again they won't be this long in the future but we had a lot to talk about so i hope you guys enjoyed it oh my gosh i'm a podcaster (laughs) but um yeah thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode if you enjoyed it please subscribe you can do so on spotify apple podcast or wherever you listen to your podcast if you're not already watching the pod don't forget there are accompanying video podcasts on my youtube channel beauty and brains so join me over there and subscribe to that channel as well you can follow me on instagram and tiktok at breland hunt or visit my website brelandhunt.com for weekly podcast updates or to contact me to share your story until next time be sure to live each day to the fullest because you only live once and give yourself some grace we are all just a work in progress i'll see you guys next time Thank you.